Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Christmas Eve, if you're listening by radio in 2023. And so we wish you a Merry Christmas. Hope you get to spend some time with family. And if you do not have a home church uh, to attend for Christmas Eve, we invite you to both churches where I have the honor and privilege of pastoring. First of all, Mount Vernon Baptist Temple at 817 Woodland Drive uh, here in Mount Vernon. We have Sunday morning service at 10 o'clock. There'll be no evening service tonight, but we welcome you to our 10 o'clock morning service and then uh, 11.15 a.m. at Waltonville Community Church at 321 South Hiram Street. Uh, Ryan and Carmen Overby are going to be with us to sing some Christmas songs and lead Christmas songs, and so we encourage you to be in church somewhere today as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Speaking of that, the title of our message today is Born for This. He was born for this. John chapter 18 and verse 33 Jesus is standing before Roman governor Pilate. The Bible says Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation, referring to Israel, and the chief priest, the religious leaders, have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? So he asked him, asking his question twice. And here's the focus of our message today. Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. American author and publisher Mark Twain once said, there are two great days in a person's life, the day we are born and the day we discover why we were born. The first is a date, whatever your birthday is, February 6th, uh, September 4, November 1st, whatever it is, that's your birthday. The second, the day you discover why you were born, is often in a moment. Uh, sometimes it's suddenly. Sometimes people know that early on in life. For others, it takes some time, but over time, they discover why they were born. Uh, the first explains your presence on earth, your birthday, but the second, the day you discover why you were born, explains your purpose on the earth. One is your presence, the other is your purpose. I was speaking to a friend uh, that worked for one of our local uh, funeral homes, and I asked him, uh, what caused him to be in that occupation? And he said, well, I, I just uh, felt drawn to that even as a young person. And uh, so he went to school for it and does a great job in that industry. Uh, but it was almost as if he was saying, I was born to do this. And I think that's true in different occupations. I think people who stay in law enforcement for uh, 20 or 30 years are born for that. You know, they're not in it for the money. They just feel drawn to that. Uh, same thing in the military. Uh, social work is like that. In social work, uh, social workers do not make a lot of money, but they just feel called. They feel drawn like they're born 
to do that. Uh, same thing in education. You have teachers who may last for four or five years and then others stay in it uh, for 30 or 40 years. Why? Because they just feel born to teach. Same thing in the medical field, and I think certainly it's that way in the ministry, and especially when it comes to preaching and pastoring. You just feel born to do that, a call to that. Now, uh, tomorrow, being December 25th, we will celebrate the presence of Jesus on earth. But just as important as his presence, I want us to think about his purpose on the earth. Now, that's what uh, is going on in our text. Pilate is questioning Jesus about his royalty. Are you a king? Are you a king? And Jesus replies with really two answers. One is referring to his humanity, the other to his deity. He says, to this end was I born, that speaks of his humanity, for this cause came I, that's his deity. Remember when we celebrate the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, that was not the very beginning of Jesus. That was just his, what we call incarnation coming in flesh. But Jesus is God, he always has been. And so I want to share with you today three things that Jesus was born to do. Number one, Jesus was born to enhance the calendar. I know that may sound strange, but just hear me out on this. The majority of the recognized days on the calendar before Jesus was born were mainly pagan days and feasts, but Jesus changed all of that. When Jesus came, he came right on time. Uh, you know, sometimes when we pray, we want God to answer prayers according to our time frame, but God doesn't work that way. God is never too early. God is never too late. He is always right on time. And Jesus came right on time. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, but when the fullness of the time was come, that means when God determined this is the time, God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ, made of a woman, that refers to his virgin birth, made under the law to redeem them, to purchase them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So Jesus came. Jesus came to save us and he came right on time. Now, everything Jesus touched then was transformed, including time itself. In fact, our very calendar was transformed by Jesus. If you look at history, you have the years BC before Christ. And then after the birth of Christ, you have the years AD. AD stands for Anno Domini. It's a Latin term for in the year of our Lord. Now, in recent years, secularists have tried to change that to CE and BCE, CE meaning common era or before common era. But I think we can just change that and we'll say uh, when Christ entered, all right, or before Christ entered. Jesus uh, affected the calendar. Think of the holidays and the feasts connected to Jesus. Of course, Jewish holidays, you have the Passover, uh, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Day of Atonement. Uh, the Festival of Light, Hanukkah. These all are connected to Jesus. And the same thing for many Christian holidays. You think of Easter. That's referring to his resurrection. Thanksgiving is giving thanks to God. Uh, Christmas, of course, the birth of Jesus. Imagine what December would be like without Christmas. You know, this time of year, it gets dark early and it's cold and, and uh, sometimes it's cloudy and gloomy. Thank God for Christmas. We have lights and cheerful things going on. And uh, Jesus adds things uh, to to us, and it affects time itself. It affects the calendar. I think of other days, Mother's Day and Father's Day. Well, that's honoring parents. That's connected to Jesus. Independence Day honors freedom. Labor Day honors work. These are principles that was that were taught by Jesus. And so Jesus was born to enhance the calendar. Number two, Jesus was born to engage the culture. 
Jesus did not escape the culture. He engaged the culture. Well, listen to what he says himself, Luke 19 and verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He looks for the lost. Now, how did Jesus do that? How did Jesus engage the culture of his day? He did that through his deeds. Jesus was never afraid to be around sinners. That's who he came to save. Uh, In fact, Jesus had more trouble with spiritual, acting, religious people than he did sinners. Listen to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 10. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Now, that's intriguing, because here you have Jesus, God himself, and these publicans and sinners who, according to the culture, the society, they were outcasts, they were no good, they were drawn to Jesus, and they come and sit down with him. Now, he has an option here. He can either say, no, you can't sit with me, I'm too good for you, or uh, get up and leave, you know, I'm not going to sit here with these kind of people. Well, that's what the Pharisees, the religious crowd expected. Listen to verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, and they didn't have the courage to say it to him, so they say to his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? So here's your religious crowd. Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know the reputation of these these sinners? And Jesus hears it and says, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. In other words, I'm not about your religious pharisaical performances. I'm about giving mercy. And I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, I was thinking about all the different people Jesus engaged. He engaged religious people like Nicodemus. He engaged the social outcast and prostitute like Mary Magdalene. He engaged the tax cheat like little Zacchaeus. He engaged the soldier like the centurion that wanted his servant to be healed. He engaged the demon-possessed man, the young maniac of Gadara that ran through the tombs. He engaged the wealthy and politically connected like the rich young ruler. Jesus engaged and connected with children, with fishermen, with soldiers and lawyers and businessmen, with the up-and-comers of the society, of the down-and-outers of the society. He connected with the rich, the poor, the Jew, the Gentile, the healthy, the sick, the religious seekers, and the religious doubters. There has never been, nor ever will be, anyone like Jesus Christ in all of history. He engaged people through his deeds. But his engaging the culture didn't change with just his deeds, or, or were not affected just by his deeds, but he also has called his disciples to do that. Jesus engages the culture through his disciples. That includes you and me. Listen to what he says in Matthew 5 and verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Jesus says, you're salt and you're light, and that means you need to get out there. You need to engage the culture. And then he says in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
I'm afraid sometimes we as Christians want to escape the culture rather than engage the culture. Now, I know there's a fine line. You know, we're to come out and be separate from the world, and we're not to engage to the point where we begin to accept the uh, the lifestyle of the world. But listen, we are not going to lead people to Christ, our neighbors, our co-workers, people out in public, our family, if we try to just escape the culture. We need to engage the culture with the gospel. Think about the historical impact of Christianity on the culture throughout world history. It is Christianity that has produced the best health care in the world, uh, involving hospitals and nursing homes. Same thing with education. Did you know that there was a period of world history called the Dark Ages where people, the majority of people in the world were illiterate? And a lot of that had to do with the Bible not being available to people. Men like William Tyndale began to uh, to uh, write the Bible in the language of the people. Uh, of course, then came the printing press and all of those things. It increased literacy. Universities began to be built. By the way, those universities you hear in the news today, like Harvard and Yale and and Princeton and Penn, those Ivy League schools that really are godless today, you know what they were started as? They were started as schools for young pastors going into the ministry. I think they got off track somewhere, but uh, that's the effect of of, uh, Christ and those who have followed Christ. Same thing in social work. The orphanages, the food pantries, the shelters are usually uh, produced by Christian people, disciples of Christ. Same thing, civil liberties. Did you know that it was Christians who pushed to abolish slavery? It is Christians who stand for the sanctity of life and against abortion of babies in the womb. It is Christianity that has stood for women's rights and children's rights. I could go on and on, but the impact of Christianity is affected everywhere because of those who have followed Jesus Christ. Napoleon said this. He said, I search in vain in history to find the similar to Jesus Christ and the gospel. Nations pass away, thrones crumble, but the church and Christianity remains. Well, I believe Jesus might have said that. He said that upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so Jesus was born to enhance the calendar. He was born to engage the culture. And then number three, and I consider this the most important of them all. Jesus Christ was born to endure the cross. He was born to endure the cross. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, let me hit on that real quick. The joy that was set before him meant the opportunity he had to make eternal life available to all of humanity, all right? So he looked beyond the cross to that joy that he would be able to give you and I access to heaven. Now, the joy that was set before him, it says this, next, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God endured the cross. You know, sometimes we get the picture that the cross is a a lovely little fixture to put on our necklaces and t-shirts and things and nothing wrong with that. But the the cross was not something of beauty. Uh, We know the song, the old rugged cross speaks of uh, it was an emblem of suffering and shame. It was a very shameful thing. He endured the cross, despising the shame as they They whipped him and they nailed him to the cross, put the crown of thorns on him, stripped him of his clothes and all the things that were a part of 
the crucifixion. Jesus endured that. Now, his enhancing the calendar and engaging the culture was made possible by his enduring the cross. If he had not endured the cross, nothing else would have mattered. He would just have been another person in history to talk about. But he endured the cross. You know, Jesus says in John chapter 12 and verse 32, And if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. When he speaks of being lifted up from the earth, he is referring to his crucifixion. He says, when I'm put on the cross, I will draw all men unto me. And Jesus continues to draw people to him today to the cross. He draws the unbeliever to the cross. Jesus draws the backslider back to the cross. Jesus draws the lonely person to the cross. Jesus draws the discontented person to the cross, the unhappy person to the cross, the financially broke person to the cross. He draws the sick person to the cross. Jesus draws the hurting person to the cross, the depressed person to the cross, the discouraged person to the cross. The marriage that is crumbling, he draws you to the cross. The child that is rebelling and is away from God, he draws you to the cross. Let me tell you, there is hope at the cross. There is mercy at the cross. There is forgiveness at the cross. There is grace at the cross. We sing in our church the song, Kneel at the Cross, or at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Beloved, come to the cross. Jesus invites you today, come to the cross. I endured the cross for you. Jesus has done that. If you've never been saved, come to the cross. There's no other way to be saved. You can't be saved by being a good person. You can't be saved by being a religious person, going to church, giving to charity. Those things are all wonderful to do, but they'll never get you to heaven. Only one thing will do that, and that is coming to the cross. If you're away from God, Maybe at one time you were close to God, but uh, time has happened and, and life has happened and you've got, gotten away from your walk with the Lord. He's still there. He still invites you, hey, come to the cross. You can leave your burden with me. Cast all your care upon me, the Bible says. He cares for us. I'll share one story with you and I'm done. A man wrote a poem. It's not a rhyming poem, but it's a poem nonetheless called One Solitary Life. It was written by James Allen Francis. And it goes like this. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. I am well within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, 
all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. Let me ask you the question, are you saved? If you're not saved, what a great day to come to the cross, the day before Christmas. It's not just about the manger. He came, he was born in a manger, but he was born to die on the cross of Calvary. Are you backslidden? Are you saved, but you're away from God? Have you lost your joy, your peace? Are you depressed? Are you lonely? Beloved, come to the cross. Jesus still offers the cross. He says, I'm lifted up. And when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Take this opportunity. If you've never done that, I'm going to lead you in uh, prayer, first of all, for those who are not saved. If you're listening to this program by radio or podcast and you'd like to be saved, I'm inviting you to come to the cross. Pray a prayer like this. It's not the words themselves. It's meaning it with your heart. Just pray, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe you died and rose again for me. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for my sins. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I'm leaving my sin at the cross, and I receive you as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. If you pray a prayer like that and you mean it with your heart, according to the Bible, you are born again. That means you're prepared for heaven. But I want to lead another prayer as well. This is for those who are saved. Maybe you're saved and you're away from God, and you know that you've been strained. Your your life is not what it should be. Uh, You may even still go to church, but you just don't really get much out of the music or the preaching, and uh, you're just going through the motions. What a great time as we end this year and get ready to go into the new year to say, I'm going to come back to the cross. I want to renew my walk with the Lord. You don't need to get saved again, but you need to to get back into fellowship with God. I want to lead you in a prayer as well. And again, just pray this uh, or something similar to it with your heart. That's the main thing is meaning it. Dear Lord, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for eternal life. But Lord, I know that I'm not where I should be with you. I'm not in fellowship with you. And Lord, I today I confess my sin. I bring it to the cross. God, forgive me for letting things get in the way, people get in the way, time get in the way, sin, allowing it to get in the way of my walk with you. And God, I'm asking you now to Renew my walk with you, restore the joy of my salvation, and help me go forward from this day with a clean slate. Lord, enjoy my walk with you and help me every day to remain close to you. Lord, help me to read my Bible as I should, to pray as I should, to witness as I should, to go to church like I should, because Lord, I want to have a closer walk with you. And Lord, thank you that you're always willing to forgive when we confess. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray something similar to that, I believe now you can move forward. The Bible says if we confess our sin, confession is simply agreement with God. You confessed it. The Bible says he, Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't don't let that thing hold you down anymore. You bring it back up and God's going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. What sin are you talking about? He, he has forgiven that. 
move forward from here and say, I'm going to renew my walk with the Lord. And I believe that you will get that joy and that peace and that contentment that only comes through a personal relationship and walk with the Lord. Well, I sure appreciate you listening today. And as we get ready to close out 2023, I want to thank those who support our broadcast. Many of you listen throughout the year. You pray for us. And then uh, many of you also support us financially. And some have done that recently by uh, giving of a year-end gift. I want to thank you because it helps us pay the radio stations uh, as well as our podcast host. And uh, if you are uh, interested and willing to help us in that area, you can write to us at Bible Truth. 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Include your best gift. If you want to include a note, that would be fine as well. But all of the gifts go right back into paying for radio time and podcast hosting. And uh, we certainly do appreciate that. If you enjoy the preaching and teaching of God's Word and uh, want to be a part of our ministry, you're just partnering with us, all right? Uh, I'm only able to do what I uh, do through the help and support of God's people. So this is something we're in together. And I certainly want to thank you for that. Again, if you do not have a church to attend here on Christmas Eve, we invite you to Mount Vernon Baptist Temple today, 10 o'clock morning service, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, and then 1115 a.m. Waltonville Community Church, 321 South Hiram Street in Waltonville, Illinois. Thank you so much. Have a Merry Christmas, and I look forward to being with you again next Sunday as we will wrap up 2023. It will be New Year's Eve, and I'm looking forward to being with you then. Until that time, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.